Well, Coming at least up I knew next. it was. Oh, sorry. Brandon has been having a lot of issues today. It's yeah. one of those days. You know what? Let's just go with it. People will never know what's coming up next. They'll just have to figure it out through the context clues of what comes up. Must go down. <laughs> Got me. Da, 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 da. Am I the uh, only one uh, seeing Nathan uh, like a Godzilla uh, movie where his mouth is moving way after the sound comes? No. Okay, it's just no. Ah! Yes, yes, you are the only one seeing it that way. No, right. That's you're you fine. You just mean Jake. in real life, like that's how you always see me. <laughs> yeah, it's one of Nathan's magic tricks. Yep, it's really bizarre. <laughs> I'm just if people don't you. know, I'm a wonderful ventriloquist, and I'm actually performing ventriloquism every week on the podcast. It's uh, maybe not the most. Yeah, he's exciting he's not use up of the for medium. me anymore either. He's not synced up for you anymore. Isn't it weird? Yeah. It's wild. <laughs> I have good internet. Godzilla. <laughs> Godzilla. For this, you shall pay a terrible price. All right. Now we're getting canceled. <laughs> we made it through three episodes of Invisible Man only to get canceled by you guys' crappy <laughs> <laughs> stereotyping of a different race. Oh, man. Let go and let Godzilla. That's what I always say. All right. So, am I am I synced? Is, are we good? Can we talk? No, but we can talk. It's just kind of trippy. That's all. <laughs> you want me to turn off my visual? No, I'm I'm entertained. I want you to turn up your microphone. Turn up my microphone. How about that? That's a little better. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Thank you. <laughs> you guys are welcome. <laughs> You're the best, Nathan. <laughs> well, thank you, Brandon. You're hey, we would have started good. this podcast 20 minutes earlier if it hadn't been for my headphones. Yeah, I guess More we like should tell people 45 minutes earlier. Yeah. Well, first, uh, Jake had to like be with his kids at a baseball game or something like that. Ooh. Well, first of all, until I was at the baseball game, we weren't supposed to start until 9. Then I'm at the baseball game, and it's like, oh, yeah, everything changed. Let's start an hour early. Well, I'm at a baseball game with my kids, so oh, well, that is how me and Brandon talk when Jake's out of the room. We suddenly <laughs> yeah. start talking like this, and we hit ourselves in the head with <laughs> pies and stuff. Um, I'm pretty sure I missed a whole bunch of condescending talk towards me because I couldn't hear it. <laughs> oh no, it was more just bitterly insulting than it was <laughs> condescending. It's a lot of insults. Oh well, it's, Nathan yeah, was but... taking full advantage of the fact that you couldn't hear him. Well. <laughs> Did you get it on record, Nathan? No. No. No, no, no. None Luckily, of it was recorded. None of it was recorded. Was and too bad. No, I, I mean, it was pretty funny, though. It was. Oh, I bet it was know. hilarious. <laughs> I enjoyed myself. We had a bet grand old time. And Jake was being very condescending in the way that he, he, he was typing out things to you in Slack, but then the, the voice that he was using to read the same things was like, okay, go to your settings now. <laughs> Well, guess what, guys? <laughs> I I did all those things, and it didn't work. We're very sure that you did, Brandon. Yeah, and we're very yeah. sure that you failed somewhere <laughs> along the line. Thank you, Nathan. Human well, error. Nobody said I knew how to use one of these electric box sort of thingies. Stick to pen and paper. Yeah, that's right. Or ink and paper, I should say. Yeah. Hey, speaking of ink and paper, mm-hmm. my wife got me a really cool uh, <laughs> fatherhood gift. Yeah. Been rubbing our noses in it all day. I didn't mean to rub your noses in it. I mean, for one thing, I knew that. Let's face it, 
she was going to feel more thanked if I was like, I got to tell my friends and for well, another thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and I I played into that, let her know that you were bragging on it. So, mm-hmm. And I appreciate it. I mean, that is, yeah. that is one of the ways that one shows appreciation to someone else is by bragging on what they got you bragging on what they got you to someone else so yeah yeah, and it was worth bragging it was very cool yeah it's cool it's totally cool totally worth bragging about yes yeah it was for listeners who don't know and we're going to talk about the invisible man today but i'm just going to say up front this this might be one of one of these kinds of episodes where we where we we spent 45 five plus minutes problem solving tech issues on across Ah, yeah. over the internet. Yep. Not fun. Yeah. Yep. Hey, Nathan, are we... Re- every, t- re- every time Brandon coughed or sneezed into the to the microphone and had no idea that we could hear him, we took a shot, so... Yeah, yep. well, thanks, guys. Yep. Yep. That's why we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> that is why we're friends. It actually, yeah, 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 it is. That's what friends are for. Me and Jake had a grand old time. <laughs> the good times, the bad times. No fun fact, I, I have not taken any shots. and I haven't taken any shots either. Yeah, we are all sober as a, a church marm. Except for Brandon, who's Walking drunk. Yeah, yeah. I'm, just, I'm always just sopping drunk. So what well, you, gotta, you don't want your hands to start shaking. That's right. You gotta, they already shake. Right, yeah, exactly. Fun fact, my hands always <laughs> shake. <laughs> here's my, my secret, secret Nathan yeah here's my, that's my secret Nathan my hands always shake <laughs> not as good of a secret as the Hulk <laughs> right before Brandon daughters into some aliens and gets the crap beat out of him <laughs> run into a wall <laughs> not all secrets are created equal that's for sure no <laughs> listen folks yeah uh, this is like this is a hangout episode. I'm calling it. This is a hangout episode, and you know I enjoy the hangout episodes. I hope you do too. I think that they're valuable, and you know this show is about three friends. It's not just about three friends who love literature. It's, it's but I'm not here friends. for the banter, and um, Nathan came to the wrong the show, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Sure did. <laughs> and C.S. Lewis. Is garbage. <laughs> so Overrated. is Amy and so is everybody else that we think is actually good in real life, but you know. Yeah. Oh, hey, we we're playing characters on this show. <laughs> this isn't our real opinion. None of this is our real opinion. Tolstoy was a hack. <laughs> yeah, Tolstoy. But that Ernest Klein, buddy. <laughs> yeah. No, we're gonna Klein, we're gonna read Ready Player Two for real. Brother. We're gonna have to. Are they going to get yeah, us to the oh. next year? People have to get us to that 2000 mark. Yes, they, they are. Yes, How close they are. are they? We need to be pushing this. Uh, we're still about $400. Okay, away. so we're well, pretty safe. Cool. I feel pretty safe. We're pretty safe, but I don't want to be safe. Uh, listen, folks, we, you need to get us to... And we're going to do King Arthur, I think, probably starting next if week. If you want me to run Brandon through the mud and prove that Ernest Klein is the greatest author of our time, then you need to get us to $2,000 a month. Uh, well... Yeah, actually, that probably will happen. But um, uh, I was reading some passages that somebody had posted. Uh, Did uh, you share some passages from this on Twitter? I think I might have shared a few a passage or yeah. two on Instagram, maybe. I'm pretty sure from what I read that Ernest Klein may have written 
Ready Player Two just to prove that I was right, and he really is as bad as I always said he was. <laughs> he listened to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. He thought, man, that Brandon really took a beating. <laughs> He's like, but I really want to help him out. I want to show him that I really am the bad author that he thought I was. So I'm going to write this awful trash. <laughs> I actually am worse than Tolstoy. <laughs> yeah, I actually am not worth reading at all. Well, let's you know the this, man gonna... that has to go to great lengths to prove that he's worse than Tolstoy and can successfully do it. I would say greater than Tolstoy because that's true. It's like Miles Morales getting a zero intentionally to fail out of exactly, Spider-Man exactly High right. School, like, whatever wherever he went. <laughs> probability, you know, the statistics. It's just not yeah. possible for you to I be think that after wrong. that analogy. Brandon <laughs> is really the new Tolstoy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> And this is why I win these dates. That he is why. Fa- he had failed like Miles Morales. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm just trying to Spider-Man keep up with the, the young people, man. Right? Hey, Listen, I made it, that um, made it into my top 10 of Sanity of the Movies. Yeah, that's a fun episode. If people like to hear it, at least two-thirds of us talk, they should go, yeah, of course it's mm. fun. It's a grand old time. Go to Grand old time at the movies. Yeah, go to Sanity at the Movies podcast. You can listen to me and Jake and, and Ben Solzer talk for two hours and eight minutes. <laughs> That's the length of a movie. That's the length of a movie. About 28 movies, only eight of which you'll actually watch with your kids. Hey. Yeah. Uh, the only movie that, the only per- thing that's happened in terms of someone being inspired to watch something that I know of came from my list. Fair. But what? I didn't watch it with my kids. No, you, and it would have probably bombed if you it would have i know it would have and i i accept that and i said that up front um you said that my kids are failures for and i'm a failure as a father for not uh training them to like for not brainwashing them into into thinking that two hours and 40 minutes of uh, errol flynn (laughs) would be a great great evening I know you think I'm the one that's being unfair, but that movie is like an hour forty or something. No, it's like not. That. It's, it's not. No, it's not. It's I've not. got one. I've got one son who would probably enjoy that, but he's my strange one. So, <laughs> father, might we watch a buckler of swashes? <laughs> he's the one who's always wanted to like watch the old movies, and so yeah. Yeah, no, I, I do not pretend not to be a, a snob. Hour forty, right? Do you not pretend not to be a snob? This do it's, uh, it's like an hour fifty. But yeah, it feels like two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good. It's a good movie. It's a classic. Yeah. It's a good movie. No, it's a classic. Um, do I pretend not to be a snob? I'm, do I'm you not to, pretend not to? Be, do you not are you saying am I? A, now I'm confusing myself. Do I intentionally present myself as as a man of the people or as a snob? I think that's an interesting question, and I'm not sure which one I do. Probably it varies from any given moment, it, depending. It on varies what moment to gets. moment, but it's always, it's always snobbery or reverse snobbery. It's never not not snobbery. Uh, I never just join the people. I, I always know better than they do. Yeah, he's always got to have. An, he always has an. It has to have an angle. So right. yeah. if it's a if it's just a fun movie, like Spider Man mm-hmm. into the Spider Verse or Thor Ragnarok, he's going to stand aside of it. But right. if it's the kind of movie that people crap on, like The Hobbit, <laughs> he's, he's going to be all it. about it. Yeah, that's he's going to be all about it, like and that, an Nathan. apologist and a defender. Um, and then yeah, he's going to act like that makes him a man of the people. But what it really does is just make him a reverse snob. No, I think the people hated those Hobbit movies. I think the verdict is. In on that. <laughs> I don't yeah, know the money. Him... The money. The money. 
It's not it's it's not the film critics that paid for the Hobbit movies, Nathan. Maybe That's maybe true. they went to see it a whole lot. Um you know, I don't know that we're ever going to get an excuse to talk about those Hobbit movies, but I think it would be fun to talk about them. I did not make us talk about them in the context of Lord of the Rings Ian last is year. Jonesing to watch those movies. Get oh, us man. to $5,000. <laughs> I'm just not going to let him do it. Like he hated, he hated the Lord of the Rings movies because they were so unfaithful to the book and corrupted his imagination. They are like he was just like I just imagined it being so much better than this. But then he got did he kind of get Stockholm syndrome like the rest of the world and just okay fine. Not really like. So why does he want to watch the Hobbit movies then if he didn't even like? uh, He's hoping for better, and I'm trying to tell him it's not better. Worse. No, it's just started it with the Hobbit not. movies. It could have all been up. Doesn't get any better. Yeah, if I started him with the Hobbit movies, he he just wouldn't have. He actually wouldn't have watched. Yeah, he would have. He, he would have refused to, to watch. He, he he did not. He watched Return of the King, kicking and screaming, not because mm-hmm. I made him, but it was just like it was more FOMO than anything else. Like if he didn't have. Mm-hmm his brothers and sisters watching it and getting to stay up late, he really would not have watched it. He he really was principled against it. He just hated it that much. Yeah, Two Towers. He was willing to go along so long for so long with uh with uh fellowship. But Two Towers, he hated that movie. Well, I always say, I don't always say this, but I have occasionally thought or and probably remarked on occasion that you can uh, you can change the plot however much you want, but you have to stick to the spirit of the book and that is what's offensive about that is that when Faramir starts acting like a jerk face, it feels Ruins like they're it. selling out Tolkien. Yeah, and it and it's offensive. It it really offended him. Like it just it, it was deeply personal inoffensive he just did not he didn't trust the filmmakers to do anything like justice to the ending of that book and didn't want the good memories and the good images he had in his head to be corrupted by it good for him yeah I feel like but if- he, he ended up watching it anyway because you know oh well partially good for him his big brother and his big sister and and his pushy little brother, you know. Yeah, that's understandable. Well, you know, the artistic sensibility is generally crushed by the world, and it's good that he learns that now. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to read Ready Player Two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look at what we're doing to Brandon. <laughs> Tell him I sympathize. Yep. I You've got one foot under the steamroller. It's going <laughs> to yeah. keep rolling over you, Ian. Just get used to it, buddy. Yeah. He, um, you know, he's not he's not my biggest reader of all my kids. I still haven't fully figured out why that is. I th- I think it just means too much to him. Like, what is happening with Brandon? <laughs> what do you Brandon mean? Is, Brandon is glitching you're, you're out, glitching folks. out over there, buddy. <laughs> oh, do I have a bad yeah, network pal. all of a sudden. I this is like green flashing with some fuchsia. <laughs> <laughs> a little fuchsia box. Yes. Like an old school glitch It's like out. suddenly my very good network is a very bad network. You didn't even <laughs> sound good. Very bad. 
Yeah, no, it, it looks like we need to take the VHS out and blow on it. <laughs> that's exactly what it looks like. You know, you do <laughs> that little cleaner school. thing that's like tomatoes or looks like tomatoes or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You clean the VHS. Hey, he's back. Oh, he's back. Is he frozen? No, he's not frozen. No. I'm watching my network. It was very good just like five minutes ago. Anyhow, Ian. He doesn't watch things because it actually means too much. Or I don't think read he reads. Means. As as much either. I think like, I think he can't. It's like I mean, you guys have watched movies with him. He can't mm-hmm. negotiate the tension, right? And I think the same thing happens when he's reading, and he just like stops. <laughs> well, we told. I think we've told the story multiple times across podcasts. But I was over at your house one time, and we were watching the wonderful uh, li- what's her Kenneth name? Kenneth Branagh. The, the, the Kenneth Branagh Cinderella. And Cinderella is rushing away from the prince in her coach, and her coach crashes. Her pumpkin coach crashes, and Ian stands up, turns away from the screen, throws his hands in the air. No! <laughs> That's Ian was... in every movie. Ian in every movie is that way. We're constantly yelling at him to, you know, sometimes some movies, especially if it's like a, like, you know, one of those edge of your seat type movies, it's like a Spielberg or something like that. We make him sit, mm. we make him stand behind the couch because he cannot control himself. He cannot contain himself. He'll just be blocking. He'll jump up and he'll be standing right in front of the screen, jumping up and down, yelling or talking to it or, you know, whatever. <laughs> He's just so caught in the moment. Like he cannot That's control funny. himself. Yeah, he's He's always been that way. He just, he cannot... I mean, I've never seen anybody uh, so hopelessly easily caught in story grip. And then he goes and he listens to all the scores mm-hmm. for the movies. And then he recreates the scenes in his mind and he can like tell you. Like, like he'll play the score and he'll be like, and this is when this happens. This is when that happens. Like, just, just based on the score? Yeah. Yeah. Like he's wow. just like, he maps it. Like he maps it in his mind. He tracks it all. He lines it all up. He learns the musical punchlines. He listens to, com- to to comedians and he memorizes their punchlines and hits them word for word or like commercials even. Sometimes he'll get hmm. turned on to a score before he's seen the movie and woe to the movie that he has mm-hmm. built a built a fantasy world around its score. But yeah, he doesn't read very much. Like he spent he just finished The Hobbit. That's why he's been bugging us about The Hobbit movies. But he's been in that book for over a year. Hmm. Like, meanwhile, his little brother Abe is just like, he's actually maybe my most voracious reader. He just like tears through things. He reads a book in a day, you know. I don't think he cares half as much as Ian does, though. That enables him to just burn through burn it. Burn through it. Yep. I was like that. I I was, I would get up and run to the bathroom 40 times, not because... I had to go to the bathroom, but just because I was so overstimulated yeah. by the trench run in Star Wars, I remember specifically in the original movie having that VHS and when they would be going to the Death Star and everything, it was just like the most exciting thing. And I would run out of the room when the bad guys came on yeah. and Ian runs out of the room and that's the same. He's the exact same. Bad guys come on Ian runs out of the room. At least when he was, especially, yep. he doesn't do that so much anymore. But when he was littler, yeah, bad guys come and he runs out of the room. Like, 
loses his mind. How does he do with if he knows like a character is going to get dressed down or something embarrassing? Oh, he hates that. Oh man, I, he can't can, stand yeah, it. I, he can't stand that kind of thing. Yeah. What kind yeah. of thing? Anytime like somebody's going to be humiliated or embarrassed, anytime oh, yeah. there's real shame, he cannot. He can't bear it. He doesn't like it. He can't bear it. Yeah, I, I, I or when there's I, I like real romantic tension, that's another thing he can't he can't take. Any kind of yeah. real romantic tension, he loses his mind. Um, he just can't he can't handle it. My daughter Lucy is a little similar. She does she uses she's learned to use the bathroom as a refuge. So when things get emotionally intense, oh she's gotta go to the bathroom. She's yeah. smart. Yeah. And there have been one or two times where I've not let her. <laughs> Because it's just like... He just made her sit down and watch it. Yeah, because it's just like... She's also just being disruptive. And it's mm-hmm. it's just kind of... It's kind of cowardly. Elliot, Elliot used to do that. So Go to the bathroom when things got too intense. You could always tell if he was starting to feel like he might cry or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He all suddenly had to go to the bathroom. Yep. And that's Lucy. And, and she'll make was, a big deal yeah. about it. And she'll be disruptive and ruin the moment for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? I remember when I was Sit little, down. I would always run out with uh, the witches in the Disney movies, like mm-hmm. the witch with the apple. That always got me. Yeah, so I'd yeah. have to go hide in the hall. And then which one is the one with the dragon? At the Maleficent. Maleficent. Or uh, yeah, Sleeping yeah. Beauty. Yeah. Sleeping yeah. Beauty, yeah. That, that always scared me to death. Yeah, she's great. So. so I was scared of stuff, but specifically I was embarrassed when characters, when characters had something shameful happen. So the one that I remember that probably people out there will really empathize with and had similar experiences maybe is when when Belle goes into the West Wing in Beauty yes. and the yeah. Beast. Yeah. A, I was terrified because it was a creepy situation and scene, but also she was disobeying and the Beast was going to catch her. And I, like, I wasn't afraid she was going to get eaten or something. I was afraid she was going to get yelled at by this authority figure. And yeah. it was just really yeah. so visceral and so real. It, it, it's funny that you say that because Ian, I, I probably couldn't pick something that drives Ian more nuts than that exact scene. Like he mm-hmm. lose, like he runs out of the room for that scene. He can't handle it. Yeah, he yells sense. at her. He's talking to her. He leaves the room. Yeah, it's one of those things where I was mad at the character. Like, right. do not do this. You are not supposed to go there. He told you. <laughs> like, Don't you know he's a horrible, hideous beast? <laughs> right. Like, what, are you, what are you thinking? <laughs> he's going to eat you alive, really, and you'll deserve it. <laughs> right. It, yeah, it's this weird mix, because I, I think my parents always just assumed I was scared, and there was that, but it really all was just also that feeling of, like, I'm going into the principal's office or... You know, it, it was like that kind of tension, which I could not handle. We had a BBC production of Narnia, which some people may remember, like the crappy live action one where they're all in these animal suits and everything. When Edmund goes to see the White Witch for the second yes. time, and he thinks he's going to get Turkish delight, but she despises him and, you know, says, bring some dry bread for the son of Adam or whatever. I, I It was the same combination of i'm scared of the witch i'm scared of this creepy castle with all these statues and stuff but also i'm just like so ashamed for edmund who's putting on airs and about to get thoroughly knocked down and i just like i could not handle that Mm yeah um i feel like we have some other conversational loops we need to close here today on our oh invisible man 
Yeah, we do need to talk about There's an invisible point, elephant in the room. <laughs> Brandon, we can see you just fine. Ah. <laughs> you don't think you're invisible, do you? <laughs> Am I not? I know your microphone wasn't working. That is a, that, witch, that witch really failed me. <laughs> Whenever I put on this hat, yeah. I become invisible. I'm not supposed to be. Oh, man, I wish you guys had told me. I mean, I'm, I'm not wearing any clothes. <laughs> You know, um, we're used to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Brandon's not an elephant, folks. He's a human being. At this point, we'd be a little Big bit more f- weirded out if you were wearing clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's well, something. Brandon's wearing... Come on. Why is Brandon wearing clothes? Yes, we do need to talk about the Invisible Man. I also need to tell people what my wife got me. Oh, right. And, yeah. we, need to rem- and, and we need to tell people... This is, this is good podcast hosting right here, folks. Closing all the conversational loops. The we need best. to tell people... What we never actually said, which is that, so I'm going to work my way back. So we'll get to the thing that she got me. But first we need to say, you should go to patreon.com forward slash the booking. You should get us to $2,000 because why? What will happen? At $2,000, we will, I think the only thing that happens, correct me if I'm wrong. The only thing that happens is we have Mm -hmm. to read Ready Player Two. Yep. Nothing else happens. Nothing else happens. Uh, hey guys, you might be missing one thing. No, no, oh, the invisible so. elephant in the room. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. hear it. I just can't see it. <laughs> What's that? Oh, I've—it's hey. all I've been able to see this whole time. I I get it now. Yep, it was like the emperor's new clothes. <laughs> yeah, Brandon's that's, lack of clothes. That's that's why I do it. <laughs> Anyhow, we'll have to read Ready <laughs> to Player Two. Attention. Yes, we'll have to read Ready Player Two. Is there something we're yeah, forgetting? It may be something I don't else. think so. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Moving on. Yeah, come on, guys. I think there might be something else. Would you like to remind us what it is, Brandon? It's awkward for me to remind everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, we will give Brandon A little money. bit, just a little bit. A little bit little of money, bit. yeah. Wouldn't that be funny he's if He's the only one of us that's not out? paid. And he's like, right. you know, kind of the most important part of the show. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll start throwing some peanuts that. to the elephant in the room. Yep. Thanks. Did you like my whoa? That was weird. Um, that would be interesting if you cut that part out and just said we were reading Ready Player Two and like, and then tomorrow we woke up with two thousand. <laughs> <laughs> this was been keeping it back. It's like we will not pay Brandon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're not doing that. Get that guy. Oh, make Brandon read Ready Player Two though. Oh yeah, buddy. Oh yeah, cash. buddy. Now. For people, so I want to. I'm still. We're still working our way back towards what my wife got me, and then we're going to talk about Invisible Man if, if, if we have time. <laughs> Are we though? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. We just have one thing to close off with Invisible Man. We, yeah, we just have. We'll, we'll we'll get there. Don't worry. We have so, to get ourselves canceled. <laughs> yes, we do need to. You guys are going to both do impression of Chinese <laughs> gentlemen, um, <laughs> and give your reviews of Invisible is, Man. Is this episode a loose? Uh, are we are we loosely like is this loosely based on Tenet? We're kind of going backwards and also forwards in this episode. We're like closing things Spoilers. towards the middle. Oh, sorry. Is that a spoiler for Tenet? Kenneth Branagh's in it. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> so no, he's not. <laughs> you get to see Kenneth Branagh go backwards. He plays spoiler. a Russian. Is he moonwalk? Yeah, I'm Kenneth. I'm Kenneth Branagh. That would be cool. Yeah, he, he does his vodka. Russian accent, the same crappy Russian accent he did in that Jack Ryan movie that no one remembers with Chris Pine. 
You guys remember that awesome Jack Ryan movie with no. Chris Pine? Didn't I don't do think I've that, seen really. any yeah. Jack Ryan movies. Crappy. I've seen Whoa, a little bit probably... of the Amazon Jack Ryan stuff. Yeah, I thought that was a Did Ben Affleck film. play Jack Ryan? He did. There's I saw been, that one. There's been one good Jack Ryan, and that was uh, Mr. Baldwin in The Hunt for Red October, one of the best movies from my childhood. What about childhood. Patriot Games? Is that yeah. Jack Ryan? Yeah, Patriot Games is fine. You I haven't, I haven't seen any of them. Drop at the end and blow that building. I thought up. I thought the Amazon one had some potential, but they just were so committed to being gross and crass. And yeah, they were committed being to being on the nose too. Being gross, crass on the nose. And they had a good cast, though. I like the cast. I like the cast too. I just thought is that the John Krasinski one? Yeah, yeah. and I thought uh, I like John Krasinski, and I liked. I, 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 I do too. He seems like a nice guy. His marriage with Emily Blunt is cute until such time as they get a divorce, and then it won't be cute. But maybe I'm being cynical. I don't know. Quiet Place 2 will probably be just fine. Yeah, looking forward to it. Liked Quiet Place 1 just fine. But the thing about that Jack Ryan series, so this this ties to literature, sort of, a little bit. I can pretend like it does at least. I read a bunch of Jack, uh, not, what's his face? Uh, Tom Clancy growing up. Rainbow Six or Rainbow Five, whatever it is. Rainbow Six. I don't think I've read Patriot Games. I have not. I've read Grisham, I mean, and I've read a little bit of Crichton. Yeah. I not read any of those guys. I read all of Car- Crichton, and I hated Crichton. Crichton was always so mean spirited and so, so boring. I think that- you read Jurassic Park, and it's just page after page of Ian Malcolm explaining chaos theory over and over and over again. And if it's not Jeff Goldblum, then who cares? I, I mean, th- honestly, I think I think the only Crichton I've read actually is Timeline, which is. Not the greatest novel of all time. True, that would be Anna Karenina. That would be Anna Karenina. <laughs> you know, it's it's like in the top ten, but it doesn't quite make Anna Karenina <laughs> levels. The Anna Karenina level. No, the the interesting thing about Crichton More is that some case. of his scientific conceits felt plausible. So it was kind of fun to think like, oh, maybe they could do that with dinosaurs. But he was not a good writer. I mean, the, the but what was fun to me about um, he never stopped to think whether he should. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> what was fun about timeline is that I, I had, we'd had fun discussions in my AP physics class about folding time and all that sort of. Yeah, what legit time travel could ever possibly be or look like? Well, it looks like an ant that's crawling across a paper, and you poke a hole through the paper, uh-huh. and then the ant crawls to the other side of the paper. Right. That's time travel. Hey, it's also wow, a tesseract. Mrs. What's it just showed up. <laughs> It's also a giant Oprah standing yeah. in a <laughs> no, it's field. T- it's giant Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, time man. travel. Mix the two together, Adam. Physics. If that movie had just been about them trying to bring down, like an ATT walker, bring down giant Oprah. <laughs> and, and, and then just put Chris Pine in a spaceship instead of hopelessly trapped by it and needing to be saved. That's by, right. Chris yeah, Pine was an, in Another that. Chris Pine. Yeah. yeah. He actually was yeah. a credible dad for half the for like the thirty seconds he was on screen. Yeah, I like him. I like Chris Pine. He's he's likable. He's legit. I like him. Yeah, needs better yeah, movies. He did that. Um, he did that. Um, kind of No Country for Old Men knockoff. What was that? Oh, right. I never saw that. I wanted to. That's pretty Heller, good. Heller High Water. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Have that's you good. seen it? Yeah. I wanted to see it. Uh, Is Jeff Bridges and Chris Pine? Yeah, yeah. And somebody it's else. good. We wa- I watch westerns quite a bit, things like that, because Dad likes them. So 
and I like them. They're good. Grew up with John Wayne. Mm-hmm. So it's a genre that I tend to like to watch. I felt a little bad about not putting a Western in our uh, kids' movie list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I no country for old it. men. Yeah. Yeah. No country for old men. Obviously. Well, the one I would have wanted to put in is the Cowboys, but it's got some stuff that. Yeah. There's really not a John Wayne, but as clean and wonderful as John Wayne is, there's, there's not one that I just think, yay for kids. The Cowboys yeah. wants to be that, but it's got just enough stuff like that keeps a lot of the Spielberg or like the Goonies of it all out. Like just enough language and. There's you some lady and with with like uh, there's the uh, whole hor- breasts. And well, there's stuff. the whole like they have the whole prostitutes right. by the side of the road in the cowboys. Like it's just like man, yeah, that's a bad. that that could have been the great kids western movie, the cowboys. It was so close to being that. John Williams scored it. Mm-hmm. It was first, yeah, and it's a great score. Uh, I love that movie. Prostitutes ruin everything. Loved, loved it as a kid. Watched it with my family and kind of re- regretted it for all kinds of reasons. I just had a bunch of fun kid memories and I was like, oh, John Wayne. And this is a John Wayne movie with kids and it's a John Wayne kids movie and it's rated G or PG or whatever because yeah. the ratings were what, and yeah. Just, That's like starting to watch Big with your kids because <laughs> it's rated PG. Oh yeah, I know. That's not a good thing. To yeah, do. big yeah, is turn it off. Watch big. Big is not a nice movie. No, and it makes nice a bunch of lists for kids' movies too. No, no, it's no. So I mean, the wrong. whole third act is about his relationship with that woman, and it's really pretty smutty the way the movie and disturbing it. if you think about. Yeah, that. it's definitely. I don't think of it. It's like that. Uh, uh, but we even talked about it in Wonder Woman eighty four. We actually brought Big into it into the discussion. It's the yes, same kind of thing. Because yeah, technically, she should be in Chris, jail. Chris Pine is, yes. he's like, yeah, embodying some dude, possessing some dude's body and using it as an avatar. Well, the thing that I yes. find particularly offensive about Big is that I just feel, I don't know this for a fact, but it just feels to me like that script was written for a younger kid because Tom Hanks is clearly playing a much younger kid than the than the kid like the kid that we meet is a pretty savvy thirteen-year-old or whatever he is. Yeah, and then he like type. regresses to like eight or something like that. Yeah, to, to seven or eight, and I just feel like they aged the kid up to almost a teenager specifically because that last said, scene. Let, yeah, let's do a whole the sex last scene when he's going to walk fine. away and they're going to have the awkward. Yeah, that whole thing is yeah. just so bad. Yeah, so it feels like so they had a charming script about a six-year-old trapped in an adult's body. And then they were like, "Hey, how can we make this smutty and edgy?" So, don't I, I? I I don't like that movie. Actually, I don't think it works. But in any case, all right, we've discussed big. Oh, uh, Ready Player One. I, for people, for newer listeners, and by the way, are all the new listeners gone yet? I sure hope so. <laughs> Probably by now. Probably by now. But for newer listeners, who maybe did never listen to the ready player one episode. Why is it that people should be excited to hear us read ready player two? We read red. <laughs> Brandon's like, there's no answer to that question. <laughs> you just kind of go back and listen to the episode. I, it was a, 
it's one of those episodes you're either going to love or hate. It's a camp classic. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's along the lines of um, our Wrinkle in Time episode. Yeah. There's some people who really love yeah. those two episodes. It's a cult classic. It's, yeah. it's, it's, from, it's from the vault. It's a cult classic. I think most of the people that have hung around are the kinds of people that love, love that episode. But the way that that yeah. whole thing worked is we read Ready Player One because it was a cultural phenomenon and, or supposed to be one. And we had friends that had yep. read it and we knew it was a trashy pulp novel. But we read it and then Nathan came up with the conceit of, um, well, how are we going to talk about this movie and make it interesting? And instead of let's all trash it, let's put it on trial and Nathan's going to be the judge and Brandon's the prosecutor and Jake's the defense and Jake has to defend Ready Player One as a novel and as its place in literature. And uh, Brandon needs to Brandon argue. definitively yeah. uh, proved that <laughs> Ready Player One deserved to never be read. Well, Brandon proved. Easy enough job. Brandon did a fine <laughs> job doing it. Well, you can, can go, really you can go back and listen that. to it and see if Brandon's telling the truth or not. Yeah, nobody could fumble that <laughs> easy sort of softball pitch <laughs> or mix their sports metaphors by saying you're fumbling a softball pitch. So, so hey. If, so basically what happened was it was T-ball. Brandon walked up to the T and impaled himself. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know how to do this. <laughs> Watch it, guys. I tried to swallow the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon impaled himself and then the softball flew up into the air and bonked him on the head. Like it was it was uh it was something. Um uh, it was fun. It was, it was all Now to be fun. fair, I had I had a little bit more agency. Brandon didn't just trip over himself. I No, I, Brandon had to sort of play by so the rules. Me. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, I played by the rules. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Yeah, in the sense that any good <laughs> attorney plays by the rules, I, I guess we were it's having possible fun. Possible if the kitchen sink in, but yeah, I I ended up taking my whole tack ended up being well. Okay, so what happened really is that Brandon started to argue about the from the morality of the author, right? And uh, and is that it? is the petard yeah. of his own upon which I hoisted him. And boy, did you hoist me. Um, those were in the early days before we really had any definitive understanding of what we meant by those things. We were still working them out. And let's say in the middle of a trial wasn't the best place to try and work it out. Hey, ready But I decided, was... hey, why not? <laughs> you know, it, it was a step on the journey towards. Yeah, and it was, it was an important step. Mm-hmm. It was. It was a great episode. And we can relive yeah. it. And you can you can listen to it in all its glory. I do also I have a feeling listening. that the next episode is going to be a mix of that one and probably a hefty mix of uh, a wrinkle in time. So if people want to see what they're probably going to get, they should go and listen to both those episodes. Well, what happened with wrinkle in time is that we were all united in our that probably came first, hatred. right? Yeah, they were around the same time. I feel I like feel like but they were close. Wrinkle in time would have come first because I think probably. It changed the way. Probably that's why we had the trial in the first place. I'm, I'm yeah, willing to go out on that true, limb. Yeah. 
because we just didn't want to have a couple so many episodes where we're just dumping all over something hating on well things. although i think you and i were squarely in the camp jake of ready player one's just okay for what it is like wrinkle in time was probably our most fun hate fest we've ever had yeah and we've we've actually tried to manufacture one of those since then, and it was Johnny Tremaine, and then we all liked Johnny <laughs> yeah. Tremaine. We expected that we could just take out our steely knives and kill the beast that was Johnny Tremaine, and it would be really cathartic for everyone that had to read that piece of crap, but then turns out it Johnny worked. Tremaine's just fine. Yeah, I, I associate those two books together, R- Wrinkle in Time and, and, and Johnny Tremaine. have had more childhood affection, I think, for Wrinkle in Time, but it, kids are do. dumb. No adult affection. And I, e- even I was dumb as a kid. There are people, yeah, man. It's it's just yeah. blasphemous. I mean, it's blasphemous for one thing. Yes. Jesus is like one of the warriors that's been fighting it along with Muhammad and Gandhi Buddha and, and Plato Einstein. And, and, yeah. I mean, it's I, I don't know why Christians give that one a pass. Aesthetically, it's uh, trash. <laughs> Charles Wallace is by far... Oh my god! I think the whole conceit. the worst literary uh, uh, character ever of created. Charles Wallace and <laughs> Charles Meg being the heroes of that book, needing yeah. to save their dad, and the the way they played that is so. Did bad. we consign Charles Wallace to the pit of hell? <laughs> yes, I think we 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 created a new level of Dante's Inferno for him. <laughs> for him. Like the eighth level, the eighth <laughs> circle. Oh man. Uh, well, no, wait, there's nine circles. Oh, yeah. tenth circle. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't um, going to draw attention to it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, d- I didn't want Jake <laughs> okay. to look bad. Right. Yeah. What, zero stars. There are <laughs> ten cir- nine circles in hell. You said eight. Zero stars. Uh, I was yeah. working backwards. And plus, you can tell that. that everybody likes talking to one another on that podcast. Zero stars. <laughs> <laughs> They like each other. Zero <laughs> stars. <laughs> One An thing that really comes through is that these guys are friends. Zero stars. This podcast was enjoyable. Zero stars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We've managed to get 45 minutes into this thing and not mention Invisible Man once. No, we have okay, definitely I, I, mentioned I'm... it multiple times, Brandon. Well, that's true. Okay, I, I have one other loop to close. The, the gift. gift that my wife gave me. Yeah. The most important part of the podcast, in my opinion. Yes, yes, yes. My wife, because I just had a baby. Her name is Theo. She's very cute. And my wife got me a fatherhood gift. I got her a vacuum. <laughs> I got her a good, robot good vacuum. Choice. Um, which I thought was nice because, you know, like she has a to take Zumba? care of this baby, so she can't vacuum. It's Roomba's a, a Roomba. brand. Yeah. What's a Zumba? It's like some dance class that's right yeah. you didn't get her dance classes yeah. you got a Roomba, a Roomba you know you need to get that baby yeah. weight off now <laughs> yeah no and you'll be vacuuming it's a vacuum dance class so get the baby weight off that. vacuum the house obviously i tell my wife these kinds of things all the time but <laughs> the point is i got her a robot vacuum i like him quite a bit he, he vacuums around What'd the house you name him? we've not named him anything yet i just call him robot vacuum mm. you gotta name him nathan I, n- I named mine Dobby. Vacuum? We named ours Dobby. You have a robot vacuum? Mm-hmm. His name is Dobby. Mm. He- I'm going to feed him a sock next time I come to your house. <laughs> He's tried to eat <laughs> socks before. <laughs> you got Dobby a is vacuum, a free Brandon? elf, and Dobby enjoys serving the Mensel family. There you go. I do not have um, 
a house elf. Why don't you ask a Roomba? Do a robot vacuum? A Roomba. No. I don't. <laughs> but I am signed up for Zumba. Uh, uh. <laughs> really. uh, my wife. <laughs> my, wife. my wife. Yeah. My wife. Um, <laughs> Talking about my wife. <laughs> my wife. My wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, she got me a copy of a book from the Folio Society. I don't know where my wife came up with the coin for this. She must have scrimped and saved or something like that because she certainly doesn't make this kind of money on the pitiful allowance that I give her. But she bought me a book from the Folio Society and it was none other than the greatest book about fatherhood that we've ever talked about on the booking. It's probably not true. There's probably a better one, but it may be a better one, but it's, it's up there. And as far as personal to Nathan ones go. Yeah. As far as personal ones to Nathan go, it's the personally ist. And it is something wicked this way comes by Ray Bradbury. One of the most accurate portrayals of how much of a John Wayne, any dad might ever have a chance of being. Mm -hmm. The dad tries. It's pretty great. Maybe the coolest dad in a book that we've, I mean, yeah. I'm sure we could think of a better one, but that guy's but the coolest dad. dad in the sense that you can actually imagine you in that moment might be able to rise up to that too. Right. right. He's kind of lame, but he just, he does his there's job. There's nothing superhuman or anything. Hashtag daddy it. tried kind so, of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's this really nice folio edition, cloth bound, illustrated, full color illustrations and an introduction by some guy, I forget who. And yeah, it's just really cool. It, it, I'll, I don't know. It, it's like so cool that you almost don't want to read it, but yeah. yeah, then you sort of feel like you do want to read it because you just want to spend time in it and you want to smell it and handle it. I'm surprised you didn't like read that. it today. I did. I mean, I, I spent some time, I spent some time in it, but uh, it, was, it was, it was probably the best gift I've ever gotten. Wow. Cool. Besides the gift of doing the booking with you guys, that's maybe even better. You're welcome. Than my wife. Then, yeah. So, Meredith's number three, and then Theo's number four. Yep. It goes booking, something wicked this way comes, uh, Meredith, and then Theo. So, Hmm. I understand that ranking. Yeah. No. (laughs) Yeah. All right. The Invisible Man. We've made it back. We have something to say, right? Or Jake has something to say. Did I did I have something Jake, to say? Do you have I think something you just to wanted say? To clarify like he's, your... he's supposed to apologize or something. Um no, <laughs> what happened was we all had a wedding together. We all got married. <laughs> to each other. <laughs> to each other. This kind of thing uh, people are doing this now. podcast official. <laughs> Last week. No. Uh we we are actually real friends in real life, and so we went and got we, <laughs> a beer i admit it uh when we were all in town we actually had for two Brent. booking supporters and that is the strongest relationship uh they have to us uh two booking supporters get married and uh yeah, that's right. and we all stood in their wedding we stood yep. right there yep. and by the way if you're a booking supporter and you want us to stand in your wedding hundred dollars a month a hundred dollars a month we'll be your groomsmen <laughs> right. That'll be yep. We will be your groomsmen. We'll be we, we'll be your it. best man. I'll even officiate. Jake will officiate. Well, there you go. You can have a booking themed wedding. Hey, that'd be pretty cool. Somebody needs to do this. 
It's too bad Jay and Katie or Golden Love Cheese are already married. Yeah. I mean, I've I've heard of I've actually listened to a number of podcasts where, or at least one or two, where they wickedly because the show's so popular, they wickedly get the person on the show to get their license so that the person can do the wedding, even though they're not like a a a, a, a pastor or a priest or anything like that. Jake, he's already he could do it. Like he's he's like, he can marry you. Like he doesn't he doesn't have to do anything. So you want your local pastor to do it, though? Not me. That's yeah, well, the truth. local booking supporters. Yeah, so so you got to move to Evansville first. Come to Evansville, become part of our church, and I'll do your wedding. Become part of our church. Become friends with us. Give us a hundred dollars a month. That's a very important part. And Jake will do your wedding. And what are you doing, Brent? Brent is like <laughs> he's like cleaning his screen. It's like dancing or something. <laughs> Some are you doing your Zumba? New age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I try to put my charger into my computer. So he's dancing around, All waving right. his arms, there. weaving in and out. Invisible of... man. We were at a wedding. Yeah, we were at a wedding, and we we said, "Gosh, did we really? There's maybe there. Maybe we need to relitigate this invisible man. Maybe we, we like it even better or something." This is the conversation that we had, and so we thought we could get an episode out of it, and it's turned into a casual hangout episode. But let's bury a little content here at the very end for people who stuck with it. Well, I felt bad about how hard I was or how I came. You know, I I think I said something like, I think you guys said, I think you guys made the claim. I don't know who it was. Somebody said something like, I wish every BLM rioter could read this book. Mm -hmm. And I countered it and leaned into it because my reaction was negative and I thought, well, this is interesting. I'm reacting negatively to this, so let's lean in. And so I said, I don't, th- I don't think I would. And, and part of that is because I don't know that I've had a book in recent memory that has caused me to despair more of the world. And then we had that conversation, that interaction where Nathan and I were on opposite sides of this, where uh, Dostoevsky had done that to him. And didn't bother me at all. But Invisible Man had done the same thing to me and didn't really bother him much at all. Mm-hmm. There's, I guess, the philosophical arguments of the Grand Inquisitor or whatever that got to Nathan a little bit. And it was the, I guess, the uh, um, emotional reality of it all in Invisible Man that got to, got to me. And I just thought, well, it doesn't matter really what he says. He doesn't. Can you hear my cat making all that noise? I can't hear your cat making any noise. I cannot hear your cat. Well, it doesn't it doesn't matter to me what he said at the end. What Ralph Ellison what said. El, what Ellison said at the end. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't doesn't matter because I don't believe anything except that it's hopeless. And so why not light it all on fire and watch it all burn? Mm-hmm. Um and then I left there and then like the very next day ended up recommending the book to like two or three different people to understand better what was going on with the the BLM riots and the stuff like that and stuff like that and George Floyd and Derek Chauvin. And I thought, well, that's worth talking about that you turn you said that and then you turned around and did it. Um I don't know. I don't know what else I have to say about it. I think for any sensible person to be able to watch and see Ellison knows how people are being used. That's important. It's important for people to be able to see all the ways they're being used and played. 
Including by the very people that claim to empower oh, them. Oh, hi, Minnie. My cat is uh, hanging with us now. Yeah, I honestly don't remember what we said last week, but I would never give this to a BLM supporter. I assume most of them or a lot of them have read it and probably claim it as a text. Well, and yeah, I mean, that's some of the stuff that we talked about. Like, um, you know, I, I don't know who said it or who brought it up, but just like Ralph Ellison predicted, you know, they talked about the um, uh, the dude who gets uh, shot by the cop, right? Mm -hmm. But nobody made the conclusions about any of it that Ellison made. They were just using it in the same way that the people who were using the Invisible Man and his friends, it's just, it's just all the same. Sorry about that. Are you cat-free? Pondering something? No. Brandon? I oh, Brandon? Yeah, I was, no, I don't. I think, yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think that that's, so we brought up those few cases where someone had recently referenced Invisible Man, mm -hmm. but in both those cases, it was just obvious that they pretty much only read the introduction, that they like to use this book and claim it as prophetic, but it's very similar to Flannery O'Connor with her PhDs in her stories, where people with PhDs always like to claim Flannery O'Connor as like one of their heroines, and yet they don't realize that she's actually got it out for them too. Mm -hmm. And so when people from this, these movements like that claim Ralph Ellison as a figurehead, they don't realize that he's actually got their number just as much as anyone else's. But that's part of the brilliance of what he's doing and part of his frustration, I think, at the end of the novel. Because, I mean, his hero ends very frustrated. Yeah. So... Do you guys think that the novel errs in front-loading too much of its, uh, no pun intended, racy material? Because I wonder yeah, if I do. It's, not, it's not more claimed by the wrong crowd because so much of the most visceral, almost, I don't want to say cartoonish because I know things like that do happen. And like, like the whole fight scene at the beginning, coming out of the gate that strong and that stereotypical, like he fills in a lot of interesting nuance later, but coming out of the gate with the big fight and then with the whole Mr. Norton incest thing, mm -hmm. it really skews the way that you, the way that one thinks about the book, I think. Well, it turns people off from finishing it and hitting the conclusions. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's only attractive yeah, it to a certain kind of, it, it, there's either the, the reader who, there's a whole middle ground of readers that just aren't going to have patience for that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. and, and those are the people that actually need to read the book by and large. Yeah, that's the problem. And Yeah, I wish he would have. I, I think so much of writing is about making a compact with your audience. I was actually watching an interview with Salman Rushdie not too long ago where Rushdie said, he was talking about the first sentence of your novel. And he was saying, you have to make sure that the first sentence of your audience tells the reader, or, 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 sorry, the first sentence of your novel uh, strikes a bargain with the reader and it tells them what kind of a book it's going to be. And he says the reason people lose interest in a book is not necessarily because the book is just not well written or it's not well done. It's because it violates the contract. If they think that they're going to get a mystery and then they get a drama, they're not happy. So you, you could do so a lot. So much of it's just, just about setting the right expectations. Right. And, and so he says, like, if it's a mystery or if it's a ghost story. And so he talks about the opening of Midnight's Children and how 
he worked hard to make sure there was something fantastical about it because he didn't want people to think it was just the story of of India and all this sort of stuff. Like he didn't want people to be surprised by the magic realism later. You know, he he said if a spaceship suddenly shows up halfway through your novel and, and no one knew it was good, everyone thought it was a realistic novel, then you violated your contract and people will be bored and they will be frustrated and they will give up. I think Allison, I mean, he does a good job. It's a masterful novel, but I wonder if he couldn't have rejiggered it or done something just to earn people's trust a little bit more before he hit him with everything that he had in terms of the the one two punch there at the beginning. Yeah, the extreme portraits of first white people are the worst and then black people are the worst. It's like he he just wants to get the the cartoonish stereotypes out there first. And then he spends the rest of the novel nuancing it all. Mm-hmm. But first it's like the most awful stereotype of what rich stupid white people would be like and and the most barbaric stereotype of what black people would be like i don't know there's something almost kind of look i love this novel it's one of my favorite novels we've read on the booking period but if i'm gonna if i'm allowed to make any sort of criticism of work of genius then i might might say there's there's something maybe a little adolescent in that a little immature but it but it appeals just the same it appealed to you it worked right i mean if he didn't have i don't know it is immature and it is appealing to immature things there's no question about that. But I didn't, I, I knew the book was compelling and I knew it was going into some extreme territory and it was showing me, you know, pulling back the curtain on some stuff. So it certainly had that morbid curiosity factor. But I also, the first time that I read it, as I'm reading it, I mean, I wasn't consciously thinking this, but I think on some level I was pretty consciously, I was consciously thinking it, which is, I don't know whether I trust this author and it's not until we get to after the Mr. Norton scene that I begin to think, oh, okay, I can trust this guy. If he's going to do something risque, then it's because he has something to say and he's going to handle it responsibly. But he doesn't front load anything that, that, tells that feels me responsible. That feels responsible. I don't know. I think you could probably make this novel work a little bit better, but you might not sell as many copies. Maybe, maybe we would ne- never would have heard of it if... If he, he didn't start that. if he didn't start with the the shocking stuff so yeah i mean it's just it's an unfortunate part of a lot of things that are good stories that are worth knowing something about but given the modern sensibility of being real and raw and gritty you can see some of that postmodern stuff creeping in with his work there mm-hmm. that he's going to add things that are edgy and his argument would be well he wants to show you know he wants to startle and to have things seem true, but you just then have to be aware that that's going to be in there. If you, you have to read it with discernment and if it's going to harm you or hurt you, just don't do it just, or avoid those chapters. Yeah. I mean, we're getting into a whole argument about, uh, throwing the baby out with the bathwater and this sort of thing, you know, mm-hmm. which well, I think, I think is more of an argument People tend to have this argument more with cinema and film, mm-hmm. but it's definitely something you have to weigh with movies. I mean, with uh, books. It's interesting. My conscience generally is not, and I'm not saying, I'm not claiming this is a virtue. I'm just describing something that I'm aware of for rightly or wrongly. My conscience allows for more 
with books, I think, actually. Right. That might be precisely backwards. <laughs> you know, it might be that my conscience needs to improve. But I, I guess, think the alarms yeah, go don't go off in my head if I'm if I'm reading about something, unless it's a really long and explicit sex scene. I I don't I don't usually stop and think as much with books. Yeah, I guess, and also in this particular case, the reason I said that whole the gritty and the real stuff is because with Ellison, I don't. I mean, for lack of a better way to put it, I don't get that those first two chapters of the stuff with Sybil is supposed to be like sexy, you know. Mm-hmm. They're not meant to be racy in that sense. So I don't know if they're meant to be. Um, they are looking at things that shouldn't be looked at and, and talking about things that shouldn't be talked about, but not in the way that, um, oh man. Does it, not in a pornographic way, I it's guess. Not, there's nothing, it's not it. salacious in that sense. Yeah. yeah. It's meant to be off-putting. So I think it's just part of his attempt to be, and I do think there's an adolescence to it. And I, it is I, successfully I really off-putting. Say what? It's not just meant to be off-putting, it's successfully off-putting. No, it's successfully very right. off-putting, especially the stuff with Norton. Right. Um, I mean, this was his first novel and his only novel. He hit it out of the park with it, but yeah, I do think you're right that there are definitely some adolescent attributes to it. You can tell it's a first novel. Mm-hmm. I think in that way, it starts off uh, it gets stronger as it goes, I think, as he finds his footing with a story. Um, Which is... But man. Interesting. But, I mean, you could... For a first novel, actually, I feel like yeah. that first novel, somebody's got something burning up inside of them. They come out of the gate strong, and then they don't know what to do with what they have. Like, that feels yeah. more common. I don't even know what examples to point you to. Just that that feels more right. Well, this particular thing, which, you know, he, this was new. This was something that nobody had really written about before. So it would make sense that he would struggle at the beginning and slowly mm-hmm. find a voice as he went. And you kind of see him as a writer imitating what's going on with the character, you know, finding a way to say what needs to be said. Right. So. Well, it also strikes me given about this extreme content that our, our level of desensitization actually makes us bad judges of how well he used it you know what i mean like i don't know when was what what year was this novel published brandon 19 in the 50s yeah in the 50s i'm not really sure what those people needed and how much of it they needed to slap them awake like for all i know it was necessary that he make this novel as shocking as he did for all yeah. i know it also well, the- was completely unnecessary and here's the other side of it too that we have to i guess bear in mind we're talking about the adolescent portion of the novel right when the hero is an adolescent yes and that's true yeah and so we're talking about adolescent things and immaturity at the point in which our our narrator is adolescent and immature and we should make some space for the intentionality of that yeah especially given I mean, given the genius on display throughout the novel, we have to we have to be willing to look at it and say, maybe maybe that's on purpose, and that's part of the growth of our character as much as anything else. And we shouldn't complain about it; we should just accept it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm willing to I'm willing to give him the benefit of a doubt. I'm willing to give him the benefit of a doubt of historically. I mean, it certainly seems if you read you know, the one that people like to compare this to, which is Native Son, it also contains this 
outrageous act of violence is central to the novel. And in both cases, for all I know, given the society that they were writing to, they needed to just slap people awake. They needed to have that pistol shot that Flannery O'Connor always talks about having to have. I'm so used to seeing movies and media that portray the horrors of racism really graphically and really explicitly from, from as long as I can remember that it's hard for me to gauge how explosive this was and how necessary it was. Like, I don't know. Maybe it was quite necessary. (laughs) Maybe not. I suspect he went too far, but it's hard to judge 70 years down the timeline is all I'm the small point that I'm making. (laughs) Well, I think it's a point worth making. I mean, I even in what might seem callous and overdone today would have not been necessarily that way at the time. So even like today, you know what Flannery O'Connor is was doing seems pointless and overdone. But at her time, nobody else was doing it. You had Graham Greene, who was the closest thing you had to a Christian writer, and he was very soft, mm-hmm. you know. And so she was frustrated with the way that Christians were portrayed in art, and she had her solution. Mm-hmm. It might frustrate us today or might seem, you know, too on the nose today for us which is, I think was kind of our conclusion with Flannery O'Connor, but it doesn't change the fact that it actually had a point when she was doing it. I'd so, definitely rather yeah. read her than Graham Greene. So? Well, we sh- it might be worth saying that we had a, a good friend of the show reach out who teaches high school and say, should she swap this book for another book that she had decided not to do? I guess we can say it was Toni Morrison's Beloved, which... Uh, we recommended that she not do because that book's <laughs> way more. You think you think this book's outrageous in its depiction Conceits, of sex and yeah. violence? Uh, that book's just insanely over the top. Yep. Uh, would be a nice way of putting it. So she said, should we do Invisible Man? We said no. We said, well, we said two things. We said, number one, probably not for high schoolers unless you just know an individual high schooler that's really super mature and could use this for some special reason. Uh, number two, we said maybe read the first three chapters because most of the content, most of the buzz saws that you're going to run into are right there at the front. So you could judge for yourself pretty easily. But yeah, I, I think of all the books that we've read, this is the one that I most highly recommend and yet would most tell people to hold off until, you know, if we have listeners even in their early 20s, I'd say, yeah, you know, maybe wait till you're 30 or something. Some yeah, yeah, give it some time. You want some maturity you want some you want a settled understanding of your own sexuality i think before you read this book you want some kind of socio-political understand i mean there's just some real yeah yeah, some real for lack of a better word some real worldview yeah some some weight to you you know maybe you have uh, some young 20 year old who thinks you have it all figured out oh man the young 20 year olds who think they have it all figured out are the worst we all we all were them in our, in our own ways, but oh, oh boy was I. Was that? I said oh boy was I. Oh boy were you. All right, so Jake kind of played devil's advocate last week, but then he he recommended it to a bunch of people, and we thought that was worth talking about a little bit. Is there anything else that we'd like to say about Old Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man? Nope. 
No, except I agree with you. You should read it, but read it when you are actually ready for it. Yeah, it's a great novel. I mean, I have a hard time believing it won't be my number one of the year. It'd take a heck of a something to beat it. It's not going to be the book of the Dun Cow, Jay and Katie, who are cold and love cheese. It's not? Watership Down. Eh, it might be Watership Down, but they're so different. <laughs> uh, you know, they, they really just don't even belong. Are you trying to say that Rebecca's not going to be the top of your list? I mean, obviously, the Netflix movie has Lily James and... No, Rebecca's not going to be at the top of my list. But I'm looking forward to doing it. I'm looking forward to Ender's Game. I'm looking forward to... Look. Fathers this and might, Sons. Looking forward to what? Fathers and Sons, right? Are we Fathers and Sons. Yeah, look. Let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me make a statement here. This might be the best lineup the Bookening has ever had. It's a pretty great lineup. I mean, you just think about what we're in the middle of right now. We're going to do it. We just finished Invisible Man. We're going to talk some King Arthur. Then we're going to do like How's Moving Castle, Book of the Dun Cow, both really interesting. I don't know if Dun Cow is entirely successful, but boy, is it interesting. And then we're going to do Watership Down, which is, is, that, a is Stone that the o- Is that the order? I think so. I don't have it right in okay. front of me. Nice. Can you clarify it in Slack after yes. we're done? Yes, I can. In fact, since I may have thrown our listeners off, why don't I just clarify it on mic before we go right now? I'm pretty sure that's the order. So uh, let's see. We're definitely going to come back with King Arthur next week, folks, because you've been waiting for that. And we'll spend some time there. Okay, sorry, not the order. Then we have Watership Down, which obviously rules. And then Dun Cow, Howl's Moving Castle. Rebecca, I'm guessing, will at least be entertaining. Hamlet. I like Hamlet. That's okay. Yeah, you know, it's okay. It's okay. It's a little melancholy. You got a room with a view. E.M. Forrester in the his house. I don't know why I'm just going over our list. Then you've got October Ghost Stories. That's kind of been a bummer. That was kind of a bummer last year. I'll see if I can do better. Maybe I'll just go back to classics. So the first year I did classics and the guy's just like, like, not scary. Uh, scare me nathan yeah and then i did like some sort of mean-spirited psychological stuff and you guys like "Uh, uh, (laughs) who's mean-spirited mean-spirited psychological stuff and then you might just be finding that neither of us are really big horror fans but it's possible pig we will do we've done north acre abbey Mm. we've done brothers karamazov Oh, boo. This year sucks. <laughs> well, what did we do in March? Uh, what did we do in March? We did... Oh! Hey, this Charlie was, this and was the a Charlie, classic yeah. fact. Charlie, Charlie and the Chocolate and Factory. Hey, yeah. Charlie, did we do another a chocolate one? factory. Besides Charlie? Did, nope. Okay. We just did we, did... we gave a whole month to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Right on. From Charlie and the Chocolate Factory to Invisible Man... Mm. <laughs> two novels about perverse systems that destroy people. And then we got A Tale of Two Cities and something else. Uh, oh, yeah, A Tale of Two Cities is in there. No, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what it is. What's our November? Oh, that's the Ender's Game. And then uh, Fathers and Sons, which is a wonderful novel, if I recall correctly, which that's I do. Good. I think much better than old Dostoevsky. More on the Tolstoy side of things as far as Russian quality goes. 
Uh, yeah, this is a good year. I've only read this is a some short stories by Chekhov, but I loved them. It's Chekhov. No, no, this it's not Chekhov. Sorry. No, no, it's not Chekhov. <laughs> Man, that's like three uh, times I've said something stupid on this show. Zero stars. <laughs> I was going to correct you, but then I was afraid Brandon would be like, why'd you correct him? <laughs> so Nah, maybe you should correct him. It's a Turgenev. I've heard it pronounced so many different ways. Is it Turgenev? I say Turgenev. But I don't, I don't know. I don't pronounce things correctly. Guys, we got to go to bed. We got to go to bed. I have to go to bed. Can we be done? I have to go to bed. It's almost midnight here. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Brandon. Okay. Let's be done. Let's, um, you know what? Why don't you, you. I'm not even going to read the patrons. patrons. You guys just say Dracula and Frankenstein and we'll let people guess which patron is associated with each one. Frankenstein's Frankenstein. 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 Dracula, 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 Thanks for listening, folks. We'll be back next week with King Arthur. Cool. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should t- describe <coughs> what. How did, how did he even describe what Brandon did? It was just a very like it was a great big sigh into the microphone. A, a great sort big of sigh into explosive the sigh, a, a propulsive sigh. Brandon, you're looking forward to King Arthur, right, man? I am looking forward to King Arthur. But you want to I go love to King Arthur. Okay, let's go once to bed. Future King. Bedtime. Yeah, once in future King. Okay, goodbye. Good, Good night, night folks. Brandon. Good night, Jake. Good night, Jake. Good night, Brandon. Good night. See you guys.